Axel and Beast, Castle of the Cyborgs, by Adrian C. Bott. The art is by Andy Isaac. All right. This story is dedicated to Ben, whose ongoing joy and excitement at each book in the series have been the best reward any author could wish for. Chapter 1 Axel Brayburn couldn't sleep. He knew he needed rest. Tomorrow he was going on the most important mission of his life. But thinking about that mission was keep him awake. Over a year ago, his father, Matt, had gone to pick up some takeout for dinner and had never come home. The police had found his empty car upside down by the side of the road without a scratch on it. None of the scratches had ever turned up a single hair. Months had gone by without any news, but Axel and his mom, Nedra, had never given up hope. His dad to be alive anywhere, somehow. Now Axel knew that they had been right all along. His dad was alive and being held prisoner by a mysterious, sinister group called the Neuron Institute. Axel had briefly met their leader, a pale man called Professor Payne, who had all the charm and personality of a praying mantis. Axel's alarm clock was a round plastic moon that lit up from within. Glowing green numbers showed the time was a minute before midnight. Tomorrow, Axel and his shape-shifting robot friend, Beast, would try to rescue his dad. It sounded simple when you, pick, when you put it like that, but Axel still didn't know what sort of enemies he was going up against. And he wouldn't know until Agent Omega arrived in the morning with the mission briefing. He tossed and turned in the dark, not knowing what he was heading into was worse than knowing somehow. His sleepy brain kept conjuring all sorts of horrors. Professor Payne was a scientist. Maybe he made monsters. Perhaps there really would be uh, radioactive dinosaur wasps or this time, or shark-spider hybrids uh, scuttling across the walls with mouths full of razor teeth. Maybe they would fail and his father would never come home. Axel rolled over and groaned into his pillow. This was like Christmas, except instead of presents, the morning would bring a surprise package full of deadly danger. Axel whispered Beast. Axel whispered Beast from across the room. Are you okay? Can't sleep, Axel murmured. Can I help? Don't know. Should I try doing the ocean thing? Sure, may as well. So Beast tried his best to sound like the sea because that always calmed Axel down. He made the whooshing sounds of waves and crashing on the shore and sometimes added the sound of seabirds. He was careful not to do the lonely cry of a humpback whale because the one time he'd done that, it had come out louder than a car alarm and he'd woken up the entire street by mistake. It worked. Soon Axel was snoring gently. 
Beast watched him while he slept, just in case. The next day, down gray and cold. Once Axel's secret den under the house had felt like a private fun room. Somewhere to go and relax or play games with Beast. But now, with everyone gathered around with serious faces and the most important mission of his life ahead of him, it felt more like an army command center. Agent Omega had arrived before Axel was up. He sat on the sofa, cradling a huge mug of coffee. Beside him sat Rusty Rosie, their loyal friend, and Axel's mom. Beast stood off to one side. He looked worried, but then he often did. You ready, Axel? Agent Omega said softly. Axel nodded. Okay, we all know what, wh why we're here. The mission has only one goal. Rescue Matt Brayburn from the Niren Institute and bring him home. Luckily, Axel and Beast have some experience in rescuing people from dangerous places. Omega smiled slightly. The Omega operation, Axel thought. He means the time Beast and I tried to break him out of the uh, Grabham base. We barely escaped with our lives. So the same step as last time, he asked. You got it. Get in, find a terminal, hack it. Find where your dad's being kept. Think of the last time as a, a dry run. Beast knew his way around last time, said Beast, twitching his an antenna nervously. Good point, said Nedra. We'd all heard uh, at Grabament Industries, but now these new guys. What even is the Neuron Inst Institute? First, let's look at where they are. Omega took a device like a TV remote control from his pocket, pointed it at the table, and pressed a button. A 3D image appeared in the air before them, showing a castle perched high on the bleak mountains. Seriously? Rose said. With a name like that, I thought they'd be in some fancy science lab, not Dracula's castle. Look close, said Omega, and zoomed the view in. They all saw that gloomy castle was covered with strange devices. Cables threaded up and down the walls. There were huge screens hanging over the courtyards and satellite dish-like devices on the tower tops. The windows glowed purple and orange and vents jetted closed of steam out into the cold mountain air. The Neuron Institute specialized in one thing, he said, fusing man with machine. The story says they've been doing it since Victorian times, right here in the same spooky old castle. Some twisted freak called the uh, Baron von Domnistiren started the trend over a hundred years ago. They've gotten much better at it since then. I was wrong. It's Frankenstein, not Dracula, Rosie snorted. Then she saw the look on Nedra's face and said, Oh, sorry. No problem, Nedra said. But Axel had had the same thought, and he needed to say it out loud. That's why they've got my dad, isn't it? They're doing experiments on him. And are they making him into a cyborg? We don't know, Omega said, and we need to find out. But they could be, right? I won't lie to you. Your dad might be different now. You'd best be ready for anything. 
I don't care, Nedra said savagely. I don't care if he's changed into some some horrible machine. I just want him home where he belongs, and that's what's going to happen. Let's focus on the mission. Agent Omega quickly said, Castle Don Donstreen is in eastern Zam Zam Zamobia, and in the forest of Isenbaran, Axel Beast, and I will fly there in the Mott Bowl. Axel was pretty glad about that part. The Mott Bowl might look like a floating metal jellyfish, but it was a comfortable way to travel. Do we need to, to fight? asked Beast. Fight if you have to, but try to hide as much as you can, said Omega. Every single person who works for the Institute is a cyborg with built-in weapons. Then there's the Warborgs, the real heavy hitters, built for the battlefield, so be careful. So where are they keeping my dad? Axel asked. We don't know for sure, but we do know where he isn't. The Undercroft, the bit under the castle, dungeons, abandoned cellars, Spiders the size of dinner plates. You get the the gist? Seems they walled that bit off years ago and never never go down there. Why, asked Rosie. They're a friend, too. There's meant to be a monster in the Undercroft. Something so horrible even Professor Payne is scared of it. Your dad's got to be in the upper section where the lab and computer rooms are. Everyone looked at each other in a worried way until Axel felt he had to say something. What about apps? Apps let Beast change himself into different forms to do different jobs. I've prepared Mythfire, Gilead, Shado, and a new one, Jackhammer, in case you need to do any heavy demolition work. Cool! There's one more new app. It's called... Phonics, said Agent Omega, but he sounded unhappy. Axel frowned. What does it do? It's only to be used in an emergency, and you can't use it, Axel. Only Beast can. Axel looked at Beast. Tell me. Once Phonics is activated, it cannot be stopped. It overloads my central power core and turns me into a bomb. Nedra gasped. Axel felt himself turn pale. It's a self-destruct? Yes. Beast will not use it unless he has to, Axel, to save your life or the lives of your loved ones. Don't talk like that, Nedra yelled. You're going to win, and you're all come home together safe and sound. I know you will. But even as she spoke, Axel seemed to feel a cold wind blowing out of the, the future from somewhere lonely, sad, and far away. He had the strangest feeling this was going to be the last mission he and Beast would ever go on together. Chapter 2 Grounded? You've got to be kidding me! Axel's arch enemy, Gus Grabham Jr., was red in the face. Not the jolly red of Santa's cheeks or a plump tomato, 
but the angry, swollen red of a boil about to burst. It made you feel that if you just prickled his nose lightly with a pin, his head would explode and plaster you from head to toe with steaming uh, nastiness. Miss Grabham stood at the edge of the, uh, the uh, chaos that was uh, Gus's room. He had spent the past 10 minutes tearing the place apart, flinging piles of clothes out of drawers and ripping up comic books, so it was even more or of a mess than usual. She stood her ground like an orange lighthouse in the face of a storm. It's for your own good, my treasure. Gus picked up an electric guitar and swung it into at the TV over his head. Mrs. Grabham flinched and shut her eyes at the sparks and fragments of glass. Her son dropped his arms and stood gasping for breath. Two wet green trails of snot connected his wide nostrils to his upper lip. Ugh. The green el uh, elvins thought Miss Grabham, haven't seen those in quite a few years. Your father and I discussed it, and he's come around to my point of view. We can't have you racing around the world, getting into trouble anymore. It's too risky. There's not a scratch on me, Gus howled. Mrs. Grabham kept her voice level. And we can thank our lucky stars for that. The number of vehicles you've crashed, Gus. Oh, you could have been killed, Gussie. Gus sank his knees and grabbed two fistfuls of his own hair. What am I meant to do? I struck, stuck here in this place by myself. I'll go out by mind. You have plenty of toys and games to keep you amused. Stap Mrs. Grabham, who was losing her patience. Goodness knows your father and I buy you enough stuff. Gus looked around at his uh, wrecked room and shrugged. Mrs. Grabham took this as a surrender. Good boy, dinner's at six. I'll send someone to clear up this mess. Guess I'll see you at six then. Unless you want to come up and yell at me some more. That will do, Mrs. Grabham said firmly and shut the door. Left alone in his chaos of a room, Gus felt strange. He didn't even want to break anything anymore. He realized he felt sorry for himself and couldn't understand why. The answer was floating just out of reach. If he could only grasp it, he did have a lot of stuff. His mom and dad were unthinkably rich, multi-multi-billionaires who could have anything they wanted. And they had bought him a spectacular number of presents. He had a game collection that would be the envy of any kid on the planet. So why, Gus wondered, did he feel so empty inside? He thought of Axel and his eyes narrowed. Maybe that was what he needed to focus on. Revenge. After all, it was Axel's fault that he was grounded. Hadn't it been Axel and his stolen beast robot that had kept wrecking his plans? Yes, 
that had to be it. He grinned a wicked grin at the thought of ripping beasts' arms and legs off and making Axel watch. The more Axel cried, the more fun it would be. It would be even better than all the times he'd beaten Axel in Tankinator Arena, the online game by uh, they both played. Axel had been Axe Man, and he'd been Bagger 63. Maybe he should remind Axel of that, rub his nose in it or something. But how? He was still grounded. He clenched his fist. If only there was some way he could hunt Axel down without ever leaving the mansion. Some remote controlled device, maybe? Or a hunter-killer drone? (laughs) Ha-ha! A super-powered clone of himself, maybe? An idea hit him like a lightning bolt. For a second, he stood speechless, amazed at his own brilliance. Oh, man, he said to himself, I'm a genius. And he went bounding out of his room. He sprinted to the elevator at the end of the corridor. Buttons offered a choice of any floor he he might wish to travel up to the huge underground factory complex that lay below the Grava Mansion. He slid the whole button panel upward. He found the secret control for the experimental projects level and pressed it. As the son of the company's owner, Gus had a special platinum key card. It could get him into any room in the entire place, no matter how secret or how dangerous. The sign on the floor read, Top Secret, Authorized Persons Only. Gus clicked his key card into the slot and the door slid open with a sinister hiss. The lab beyond the dark. Only the cool blue light of the computer screens showed the outline of furniture in the room. From the far end came a different kind of light, a bubbling frenzy of ripples. That must be the operating tank, Gus thought. He felt a wild excitement to be doing this forbidden thing. Of all the grabbing projects he'd ever heard of, this was by far the most expensive. He'd never be trusted with it normally. If his parents found out he'd borrowed it, he wouldn't just be grounded, he'd been disowned. Sent to a military boarding school, probably. Come on, come on, he whispered. Where is it? He crept further into the back of the lab and turned a corner. A shape loomed out of the darkness. Before he could stop himself, Gus let out a terrified little squeal. The sort of piglets might make and he jumped out and realized it had left its parachute behind then his fear gave way to awe it was a gleaming metal figure like an angel complete with folded wings but the face was a snarling sharp fang demon mask whoever had designed this thing had meant to strike terror into the hearts of his enemies. Out of sheer bravado, Gus grasped it by its cold metal hand. Why, hello there, Project TT93. I understand. You're You're called the Titanium Terror. 
The angel didn't respond. Gus turned his attention to the luminous, bubbling cylinder nearby, the operating tank. He thought back to his father's last but one big tour when he'd been shown his allies around the base. This is a highly sensitive project for us, his father had said. It's our first dip into virtual reality. Imagine you need to send someone to an important job, but you can't risk sending a human because they might get injured. So you send a robot here, right? But robots aren't smart like humans. They don't think on their feet. Uh, what you need is a human mind in a robot body, and that's what we've got here. The pilot climbs into the operating tank, and the clever little computer sends his nerve signals through the robotic angel. Ta-da! You've got... You've get, you get to become an indestructible robot warrior without leaving the safety of the lab. Then, when the mission's over, you just disconnect and go have a shower. Job done! Shaking with excitement, Gus stripped down to his grubby underpants. He climbed up the ladder and lowered himself into the operating tank. The fluid wasn't even cold like he'd expected. An oxygen mask cl clamped onto his nose. Please hold still, crooned a computer, scanning never nerve signals. Gus felt a tingle all over. He closed his eyes and opened them. He was looking through a robot eyes. He saw a doughy, pale boy floating in a tank. That's me, he thought. He looked down at his robot body and flexed his robot hands. I can fly, he said in the harsh electric voice that came out of his mouth, and it startled him. I can fire energy beams. I can drop bombs. And I can't be killed. <laughs> Guess what, Axel? I'm coming for you. Chapter 3 Are you alright, Axel? said Beast. Huh? Axel, who had been looking out of the mott ball window for the past few hours, snapped back to attention. You are very quiet. Are you meditating before we go into battle? Axel shook his head. I was just thinking about everything that's happened since you came to our house that day. All those weeks ago. It's been crazy going on missions and getting into danger, but I've loved it. Beast loved it too. Whatever happens, we will always have the good times. Don't you two go soft on me now. Omega jumped into the conversation. We've got a fight coming, and we all need to be on top of our game. Stay focused on it here and now. Trust one another. You with me? Axel nodded. I'm with you. Good man. We'll reach the forest of the uh, Ezerburn in about ten minutes. Stay alert. The Mott Bowl wired through the sky at maximum speed. Soon they passed over 
above the mountain range, sprinkling with forest and snow, surrounded by a plant and dark green forest. It looked a lot like moss from so high above. There's the castle, said Axel. What are those metal things at the uh, turrets? They look like satellite dishes. Omega frowned. Scanners, probably. They're turning, pointing at us. Maybe they're some kind of scientific... Incoming fire, Omega yelled. From the tips of the scanners came thumping, blasting of solid light that lit up the mountainside with unearthly colors. Agent Omega having at the controls, but the Motbull hadn't been built for combat, and it steered like a brick. One of the blasts fizzed overhead, but the rest slammed home. Axel dived away from the window just as a def- deafening shrine tore through the craft. All the lights went off, then back on. But flickering, Axel uh, smelled smoke. Cold, fresh air blew in his face. How is that possible? He was inside the Montball and its windows didn't open. Then he saw the hole in the hull. Holes so big you could drive a truck through them. Axel thought, those blasts punched right through and out the other side. Beast was still locked in place in the middle of the craft. His eyes were wide with fear. We're going down, Agent Omega screamed. Axel had never been sure what sort of mysterious anti-gravity engines kept the mott ball up in the sky. But one thing was for sure, they weren't working anymore. Wind whistled up and around Axel as the craft plunged toward the waiting mountains. Omega grabbed Axel's uh, shoulders. Get into Beast and get out of here while you've got a chance. But what about you? Going to crash land if I can. This old meatball's tougher than it looks. Go! Axel pulled up Beast's canopy, climbed in, and thumped the release control. They went into a free fall for a second. Then Beast's foot rockets fired, and they shot off through the sky, away from the doomed mop ball. It fell like a meteor, trailing smoke behind it. Axel tried to get his bearings. The turrets were still blasting away, filling the air with torpedo-sized pulses of energy. He and Beast rocketed toward the castle walls. What an ugly building it was! It was like the great stone vegetable that had sprouted in the dark. He didn't want to think of the experiments that must have been going on inside. Maybe there really was a monster down in the dungeons, merging with man and machine. But his dad was in there too somewhere, and Axel needed to find him. Axel shook himself, trying to focus. Beast, scan for a way in! Main gateway is defended by turrets, Beast said. No other interest found. Guess we'll just have to make one then. Axel scanned the wall for it, the weakest spot. There, land and shift into <coughs> jackhammer form. From somewhere in the distance came a dull thump. 
the mop ball had crashed to the ground. Axel prayed Agent Omega was still alive. B shifted. A thick metal dome covered his head like a construction worker's helmet. His right fist thickened and became a hammer. His left fist folded away and wheezing a drill slid out of his arm. With a yell, Axel shoved the drill deep into the castle wall, hoping to weaken it. A spray of dust and stone chips blasted out. He bored two more holes, then swung the hammer. Jackhammer packed a punch, all right. The whole wall shuddered. A hideous, uh, a hideous stone that had squatted in place for 500 years broke off and smashed to bits on the ground below. Axel swung another blow at, at this time, and the ancient blocks gave way. Though clouds of dust, Axel saw they'd opened up a hole that might be wide enough to climb through. He started toward it, and a terrible howl echoed across the landscape. It was a howl to freeze the blood. It was like the cry of a hungry wolf, but metallic somehow, like the twanging of a giant still spring. Incoming life form, Beast warned. I see it, Axel replied. The creature came creeping through the forest, its red eyes glowing. It had been a wolf once. It still had the shape of that wild animal, and Beast could hear its savage heart thumping. But its body was covered with metal as well as fur, and the teeth it bared were sharp shards of steel. Cyberwolf! Chapter 4 The Cyberwolf slipped between the thick pine trunks, keeping to the shadows, its eyes shining as bright as hot coals. It moved slowly, but showed no fear at all. It's getting ready to attack, Axel said. He glanced at the hole in the wall. It might be big enough to squeeze through, but what if it, it wasn't? He imagined Beast stuck halfway. The cyberwolf would sink its metal razor teeth into Beast, his legs, and drag him out. Then, when he was helpless on his back in the snow, it would tear him to pieces. No way would Axel let that happen. Jackhammer wasn't supposed to be a combat form, but a hammer was still a hammer and a drill was a drill. He glared at the cyber wolf and swung the hammer down to strike the ground. Thoom. Come on, he yelled. The cyber wolf hesitated. Then it gave a steely growl, answering Axel's challenge. It padded out from the forest, letting Axel see it clearly. Slowly, it bared its massive steel teeth and licked its lips with a shiny snake-like tongue. At the tongue's tip was a lethal-looking spike. It wants me to be afraid, Axel thought. And it's working, but I'm not going to show it. 
What are you supposed to be, Axel Mox? Part dog, part trash can? The cyber wolf showed no sign of understanding. It kept coming slowly and purposefully. Axel watched it closely, ready for the moment it would break into charge. Pad, pad, pad. Any second now. Pad, pad, pad. Come on, attack! What are you waiting for? Like lightning, the thought flashed across Axel's brain. This thing wants me to keep watching it, because while I'm looking one way, something else must be sneaking up on me. Axel spun around. He saw two more cyber wolves, lean, fast-moving brutes, only feet away. They leaped. Beast Hammer slow slammed down one of them, hard and heavy. It went skidding sideways across the snow, yelping in a high-pitched screech. The other wolf caught hold of Beast's shoulder and ripped a piece of armor plating clean off. Axel whacked it. There was a scree of grinding metal and the cyber wolf eyes flickered. It fell back and landed with a sound like a bag of coins. Axel turned back to face the first cyber wolf. It paced back and forth and glared at him hatefully. Did I spoil your surprise? Axel taunted. The wolf howled and howled again. At first, Axel thought it was just angry, but then he realized it was summoning. It was a summoning howl. More cyber wolves emerged from the forest. Nine, ten, eleven of them, and each one looked just as mean as the first. Axel backed Beast up against the wall, so at least he couldn't be attacked from behind. The wolves grinned and stalked across the snow toward them. Beast moaned. There are too many, Axel. His eye, his right, he's right, Axel thought. We can't win this. They'll keep coming until Beast is torn to bits. How am I meant to fight these things? Even if we shift to fighting form like uh, Galahad, we're still outnumbered. Maybe fighting the wolves hand-to-hand was wrong. Maybe he could fight their minds somehow. After all, despite their cyborg bodies, they were still animals. What were wolves afraid of? Beasts, go into mythfire form as fast as you can. Beast shifted. The wolves fell back and circled whirly. What was this new trick? Beast fell forward as his arms and legs turned into clawed limbs of his dragon form. Smoke rose from his mouth, which grew into long snouts. Axel let loose the biggest fire blast he could summon. Not at the wolves, but into the air above them. A huge ball of bloomed out. Nothing. Uh, Bathing the mountainside in angry light. All the wolves instantly went into a wild panic. They turned and ran, howling in fear. Axel sent a few more blasts of flame after them just to speed them up. It worked. The fire drove them away. Time to move. He shifted Beast into his regular form, then squeezed through the hole in the wall and into the dark hallway beyond. I'm coming, Dad, he whispered. Wherever you are, Hang on there. 
I'm not leaving without you. They crept through a warren of wood-paneled corridors, hunting for a computer terminal. Tiny cleaning robots buzzed back and forth on the uh, flagstone floor, paying attention, no attention to them. At least Axel hoped they weren't. Eventually, they found their way into a ground hall, like a cross between a wicked uh, baron's home and a mad scientist's lair. A black marble-topped dining table engraved with a uh, circuit board design almost filled the room. Suits of armor stood by the doors, but the helmet's eyes glowed red, shining out scanning beams that uh, tracked back and forth. There were uh, animal heads mounted on the walls, but they all had robotic parts. The open fireplace was the largest Axel had ever seen, big enough to roast an ox in. It, too, was a mix of ancient and futuristic parts. Beasts displayed told Axel that the bricks were centuries old, but the flames that danced in the hearth were hologram. This place is weird, Axel said, but at least we made it inside, right? But the far door crashed open before they could take another step. There stood Professor Payne, the overseer of the Neuron Institute. Men in black suits and sunglasses with leather gloves and stern faces filed past him into the room. They stood pointing their fingers at Axel as if they were guns. Then something tall and silvery stalked in, and Axel felt a fear grip him unlike anything he'd felt before. It was a robotic angel with a snarling, fanged face like a vampire. There were no mercy in those blank oval eyes. I suggest you take a seat, young man, said Professor Payne. Make yourself comfortable. After all, you're not going anywhere.